The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. And now my watch begins. Welcome to the season finale of The Throne Room, the unofficial Game of Thrones internet radio show exclusively on poppychularadio.com. Poppy Chula Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Thursday, June 30th, 2016, and I am Priscilla of House Martell and commander of this particular night's watch. During tonight's broadcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the hit HBO series, Game of Thrones. Please welcome my co-hosts to our season finale broadcast, formally introduced with their house words and titles. Winter is coming. The Lady of Winterfell of House Stark. It's Brittany. Oh my god, I'm so glad I chose that as my opening because it is so true because of this freaking episode. Hey guys, I'm ready to talk some Game of Thrones. Fire and blood. Lady of Marine of House Targaryen. It's Evelyn. Hi guys. Um, I did want to say really quick before we get into it. I renounce House Targaryen. <gasps> and our blades are sharp. House Bolton. Oh, fuck yes. <laughs> that, that's awesome. That's brilliant. So hard to come back from this, but here we stand. Lord of Bear Island, of House Mormont. It's Omar. Hey, hey guys. <laughs> now that we've gotten our introduction settled, let's jump into our recap of Season 6, Episode 10, titled The Winds of Winter and aired June 26, 2016. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Before her trial, Cersei destroys the Sept of Baelor with wildfire, killing the High Sparrow, Marjorie, Mace, and Loras Tyrell, and Lancel and Kevin Lannister, along with hundreds of King's Landing nobles and the Faith Militant. Horrified, Tommen throws himself off a balcony to his death. In Dorne, Varys meets with Olena Tyrell and Ilaria Sand, seeking to form an alliance between Daenerys and their houses against the Lannisters. Davos confronts Melisandre over the death of Shireen Baratheon. Jon banishes her from Winterfell. Following their victory, the Wildlings, the Knights of the Vale, and the surviving Houses of the North pledge loyalty to Jon Snow as the new King in the North. Sansa learns of Littlefinger's plans for her as the new Lady of Winterfell. Following a banquet with Jaime, Walder Frey is murdered by Arya. Sam and Jilly reach the Citadel in Old Town. Bran sees a vision from inside the Tower of Joy. Ned finds his dying sister Lyanna and takes her newborn as his bastard. And Jaime returns to King's Landing to find the set in ruins and Kyburn crowning Cersei, the new Queen of Westeros. Daenerys sets sail to Westeros with her companions, armies, and dragons. 
As for the ratings, TV by the Numbers said the show recorded the best same-day ratings in the show's history. It drew a 4.3 rating, beating the previous best of 4.0 set twice earlier in the season. Its 8.89 million viewers were also a series best for live and same-day, beating the 8.11 million viewers for the season 5 finale in 2015. So, overall, lot to be said really great episode according to TV by the numbers but I want to know what everyone's initial reaction was and I'm going to start with Brittany alright I get to go first as Lady of Winterfell um, we talked about last uh, episode how uh, well at the end we were talking about why we rated certain episodes uh, you know Golden Dragon or 1010 like what is that missing element or can we really compare episodes that have a big battle sequence to just a regular episode that has a shocking value to it and you know what you, you can't compare it but it makes you feel the same way and this fucking episode was on point what a finale i mean i always like watching finales because maybe a cliffhanger or get me hype but man this this just had everything it was fantastic so Brittany loved it Evelyn, what did you think? There was so much happening. There was, like, no downtime throughout that whole episode. And, you know, like, there's a lot of things that were a long time coming in this episode. And I swear my sister and I were yelling at the TV again. I lost my shit over the Tower of Joy. I was like, oh my god, finally it's been six years in the making. And finally, you know, and it was just... It, it couldn't have ended any any better way, but again, I still think it was just a lot of, of things that the fans wanted to see, and they're finally just doing what the fans want. Hmm. As a fan, or I'd like to call you a fan, Omar, your final thoughts. What did you think? It was an amazing episode as well. They just kept throwing more and more each like each other second on the on this episode just when you thought it was about they throw something else it makes you really sad knowing that it was the end of the season and we have to wait now almost a year for the next season to come out Aww. so before we get into a thorough recap about this though here are a few reminders on how you as a listener can interact with the show via social media follow the show on tumblr we're at the throne room slash pcr.tumblr.com. Follow the station on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr at Poppy Chula Radio. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or a blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. And please search for The Throne Room through iTunes and hit that subscribe button. So, we're going to start where the episode starts. King's Landing. We have the trials beginning. And within it, Norris Tyrell confesses and dedicates himself to the Seven. King Tommen Baratheon is not let out of the Red Keep to join in on this, though, by Sir Gregor Clegane. 
throughout this, we also see Master Grandmaster Pycelle murdered by Kyburn's little birds. Faith militant Lancel Lannister suspects that something is wrong, so he follows a child to a hallway filled with casks of wildfire, where he's stabbed. Marjorie Tyrell suspects something is wrong too, but is stopped by the Faith Militant, and the wildfire explodes. Everyone in and around the Great Sept of Baylor dies in the flames as Cersei Lannister watches from the Red Keep. She confesses to, and then leaves Septa Anella to be tortured by the mountain. And Tommen, watching all of this, throws himself off the balcony and, kill it, and kills himself. And Cersei, looking on his dead body later on, tells Kyburn to burn, then bury it. At the Twins, House Frey is celebrating the retaking of River Run, and Bronn leaves Jaime Lannister, who starts talking to and mocking Walder Frey, and Walder Frey is drawing parallels to each other. Later on, a serving girl gives Walder Frey a pie and reveals that it's made of his sons, Black Walder and Lothar and then removes her disguise, showing herself as Arya Stark, before she slits his throat. Throughout all of this, Jamie's riding the King's Landing, and he makes it to the Red Keep, just in time to see Cersei crowned Queen of the Seven Kingdoms. So that's a lot to happen in the North. I, rest in peace, Marjorie, my baby, what the hell? I'm, I, I was so pissed off at that. Not to mention, we all were talking about wildfire since the very beginning of this season. And I'm proud to say as a podcast, we all figured this shit out. We knew it was going to happen. But what did you think about what happened in King's Landing? Evelyn? Um, <laughs> well, the, the set of Baylor part was, was, I guess you could see that coming with Loras, you know, that he wasn't going to get out. I guess, intact. And then, you know, Marjorie saying she's, you know, Cersei's up to something. We need to get out of here. And the fucking High Sparrow being a dick is like, no. And it's like, he's not that smart. And and I would put Marjorie up there. Marjorie and Elena together would be up there on Cersei's level as far as plotting and, you know, being, you know, on their wits. And they're smart. And they, you know, they wouldn't be caught off guard like that. And because of the fact that um, the High Sparrow was in charge was, was, I think, why they all had to die. And it was just so shitty. I liked the Tyrells. They were, they were like, not the best morally, but, you know, they're nowhere near as shitty as the Lannisters. Except for the dad. The dad was a piece of shit. He was stupid. Um... And then after that, Tommen, I was like, I gasped. I literally just gasped when he just threw himself off, you know, his windows. It was just like, holy shit, he killed himself. And it was, I, I don't know, I just, I was so caught off guard by that. Like, I knew he was going to die because he was pretty useless. But I didn't think he would just throw himself out of that window. And it was all Cersei's fault. And she's just shitty this whole season. I was thinking to myself throughout throughout that this scene that if Cersei had stayed with Tommen, like while all this shit was happening, he might not have killed himself. But like I don't know, like that there was a real metal scene 
I remember just, I don't know, like, being so angry, though, that watching Tommen kill himself, I was like, well, there. Like, there is your comeuppance there, so you can't have everything that you want. I thought, But, like, I thought Sushi was gonna, like, sacrifice Um, sacrifice him. I, I honestly thought that you know what he's too far for me to even get a hold of Tommen anymore. I I honestly felt that maybe she was gonna like sacrifice Tommen and the thing, you know, you know, uh, um, through through the hearing. But I wasn't expecting Tommen to commit suicide. I thought Cersei herself was gonna be like, there's no way I could reach him anymore. There's no way I could do anything. He's already he, he's already brainwashed. I have to sacrifice them so I could get my ways. It was something that I talked about after with like uh, my boyfriend. Just kind of, does Cersei know how to love? Because we've all we've always like, as viewers said, like, no, Cersei loves her children, but does she really love them if she didn't really take care of Tommen? Like at this time, like she let like Marcella was taken from her, so I'm not really sure like if she loved her or not. And she raised like an awful person, like with Joffrey. So it makes me wonder if she's just one of those people that's like, I don't know, that mentally isn't capable of love. I, I think rough. she is. The thing was, she was just, I guess, indifferent towards him towards the end because she had lost control of him. And that's how she shows a lot of her affection is trying to control them and keep them as close to her as possible and she's a helicopter mom is what she is she's like no you can't do this you can't do that here i'm gonna help you do this and it's like she was in all of the royal business when she should have just been the queen mother and just you know go sit in the garden and she had to be a part of every single thing with all of you know with tommen and and joffrey and so you know this happening was basically you know like i you know i've lost him so i think she kind of had pushed him away so th i think that's why she wasn't in the room with him i i, I think uh the thing with cersei is i in the, i don't read the books i'm not going to until the entire tv show is done and i'm gonna go back and read and see the differences and you know because a lot of people say book cersei is different from show cersei and that Um, the writers talk about this that show Cer Cersei is humanized by her love for her children and I think it's true because I if there's any scenes that make me feel for Cersei it's like that scene where in the beginning of this season the first episode where she's sitting alone in the Red Keep and then she gets noticed that Marcella's coming she's so happy and I'm like oh wow this is actually something and I agree that I think the way she loves her children is also a reflection of what she knows from the prophecy. I think it has she never found out about that prophecy, she may be a little different, but she's become paranoid ever since she learned about it and after the first death with Joffrey. I mean, after that, she started to make sure her children were with her all the time or tried to make them, you know, stay near her. And it, it clouded her because... The reason why they're in this shit with the High Sparrow is just because Marjorie was married to Tommen and she's, she kept calling Mar Marjorie names. But we know as an audience, Marjorie's a good person. And it shows because when her and Cersei would have those battles, like, you know, they would be sassy to each other, trying to outwit each other. 
Marjorie never tried to hurt Cersei. She just tried to kind of remove her from there. But she never tried to get her, you know, arrested or anything. Cersei, on the other hand, does that, you know, and in. And for Cersei, she's like, I'm protecting my son so that it's not closer to him dying. But she doesn't understand the consequences, which is why I always say Cersei is not as smart as she thinks she is. She thinks she's on the level of Tyrion, Tywin, even Littlefinger. I would say Littlefinger's like at the very top. And then maybe Tywin, you know, um, as far as scheming goes. Because Cersei has cool plans. But the, but the consequences and the fallout are huge. They're massive. And what it is is Tommen's death. And she just doesn't feel anymore. After that, she, she lost everything. And I love it that we all predicted this, but we didn't predict how and when it was going to happen. And that's, I think, what's the best thing about this episode is the shock value. We knew about the wildfire. We knew she was going to use it. We didn't know that almost half the characters in King's Landing were going to die in there. I knew the High Sparrow was going to die, but I didn't know Marjorie was going to die. I didn't know Loris was going to die. I didn't know Mace Tyrell and Kevin were going to die. Like, And we should have known this, and I feel so bad because Marjorie got it at the last second, but it wasn't enough that uh, Lannisters have a, have a knack for getting all their enemies together in one spot and just annihilating them. That's where uh, Cersei gets some of her Tywin uh, traits from. Um, and just the, what is this, like the first 10 minutes of the episode, just fantastic. The music, the, the you know, Lancel following uh, the little boy, Pysel getting murdered by children. Like, this was fantastic. And man, I felt so nervous because I, I hoped, I hoped for the fan in me and the fan service uh, that Marjorie would somehow get out. But with the way the wildfire just took over... There was no way anybody was going to get out. It didn't matter if they did. They weren't going to run fast enough. Hell, some guy died out there because of the bell. Like, I felt really bad for that random civilian. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean. Was, yeah, he was really far away from that thing. Just the bell hit him. He was that unlucky. Yeah, and there were some theories, you know, about the wildfire. Like, was it just going to be the Sept? Was it going to be the area? Was it going to be all of King's Landing? Like, we weren't sure. And. For the most part, it was just a big chunk of what was around the Sept and the Sept itself. So I don't think anybody in there was going to get out. And I feel so sad for Marjorie. Like, oh, I loved this chick. And I talked about that last episode. I was like, what happens when Danny gets here and Marjorie still wants to be queen? Like, what's what? Are, is she going to just drop it or not? And this is how they wrapped it up. And I'm just kind of sad because... Marjorie was so good. I'm getting real sick and tired of genuine characters dying. Um, but at this point, Cersei fucking won. She won, but she also lost. And if you think, like you were saying, Priscilla, how maybe if she had stayed with Tommen, Tommen would have com wouldn't have committed suicide. I think so too. You couldn't leave that kid alone. He was watching throughout the window the entire. Uh, sequence of that but instead of being with her son she went to go and torture this uh, uh the sept the septa and she showed that she wanted to torture somebody more than she wanted to be there for her son one thing though that i think that might happen next season on the very first episode because one of um because one of the visions um you know one of the visions that that pretty much brandon had was that um, you know, was that he saw the dragon flying over King's Landing while it was on fire still. 
and this you know the wildflower um you know the explosion just recently happened i feel like danny's gonna be there much sooner than we expect um because at first i thought she was gonna be there maybe mid mid season um mid season during the seventh season but i feel like she might be there maybe the first episode of the next season that's one of the things I wanted to ask you guys. We're going to get into predictions later, but I just wanted to ask. Do you remember Maggie's prophecy, Maggie the Frog's prophecy? When she's like, you're going to wed a king. You're going to be a queen until someone younger and more beautiful is going to cast you down. You're going to have three kids and gold shall be their crowns and gold their shrouds. And I'm not going to get into the last part because that's in predictions, but just the queen that comes more younger and more beautiful did it pass already do you think was marjorie that queen no i no don't way. think so no it's danny i think it's daenerys yeah they're yeah. they're making they, they give us that prophecy for us to like uh guess who it is but it's just really simple it's it's honestly danny because um cersei's been trying to prevent the prophecy but in doing so she just made it come true so she thinks she killed the younger, more beautiful queen, but it wasn't Marjorie, unfortunately. And it's Danny. And Cersei right now, with the crown and everything, she thinks she's won. But man, she, we're gonna see her descend into madness and Danny's gonna cast her down. You know, that this whole like season after like the awfulness of Septa and Ella, I was just kind of like, oh, that bitch better die. But I actually feel kind of pity for her at that that end with like the mountain not and the they talked to the showrunners to and to the actress who plays Cersei and she said that scene was supposed to be worse but they cut it so I'm just like fuck. isn't it a rape scene isn't that what they said that basically that's what's going on in the back they never said if it was a rape scene or not I heard like, I heard it was uh I read something that it was that that's exactly what that was to com considering that uh, because he, he raped Elaria. Like, well, that's why that the mountain is known to do that shit. Not, I mean, well, if you read more of the books and you learn about him, it's just, you can imply, you can infer that this guy does that type of shit. And if he's like a zombie now, and it, and the way I, I, I interpreted that scene that he was doing that to her was when Cersei's, you know, mocking her, throwing wine on her, she starts kind of touching her. You know, she puts her hand on her body and just kind of slowly... You know, while she's walking around her and kind of making her uncomfortable. You know, she's not putting fear in her. She's making her uncomfortable by touching her like that. So I feel like, oh, I'm not going to finish the job. It's the, the mountain. And what better way to, you know, tarnish her, her soul and stuff. Because she's like, I'm ready to die. She's like, oh, you're not going to die. You're going to get tortured. Oh, well, maybe I can handle physical pains. Like, you're not going to be able to handle this. And because um, it's, it's, uh, the Septa is essentially a nun. For like the seven that's like exactly what it is and to to tarnish that would be to give her that type of punishment um and that was fucking awesome for cersei like that was so great but damn that was horrifying and i'm glad they didn't show us that i think it's I'm scarier just to hear the screams and not see what's happening yeah i i completely agree i think the show learned from like last season like when they got lambasted by people saying like why the fuck are you showing rape scenes and granted like the writer writes them so like they exist they're there mm -hmm. but 
it, it's more important to like kind of show the fear that you get from it without act- actively like physically showing the act like you yeah. don't have to and this itself like you said like it shows it and you see the fear in her eyes without actually having to like i don't know see something like that cruel although we see violence chingo so like uh, i don't know like, it's, that, I, I, it's, it's that type of violence it's like what what's gonna disturb you like to your core what's gonna you know other things you can just turn away and be like oh man that's sucky but other ones you're like oh my god i feel i feel disturbed i feel creeped out and that's what i feel like they wanted to give us with that and it's like cersei's not only getting revenge but she takes it a step further like that that septa probably did enjoy you know being who she was in the dungeons and making cersei suffer or whatever but uh the way Cersei's like, I'm gonna punish you for this. Like she just goes beyond. But uh, that was that was intense and so very Cersei. And God, that dress on her, she looked like Maleficent. She looked I, fantastic. You are fucking crazy. I saw that dress and I'm like, are you trying to be Michael Jackson from like the music video Black and White? What the? F- I did what not is- look the dress. I, she looked awesome. No. When they were getting her like I, dressed up. Wow. I didn't like the dress. I thought she. It kind of reminded me of her father a little bit, which, but I still didn't like the dress. I did not like how it looked. I just didn't like it. That it looked like she was getting ready for battle, which she basically was. Yeah. But I've been rewatching, you know, some of the older episodes because I've been doing basically a best of Ramsey Bolton kind of thing, where he's torturing Reek, <laughs> and um, it's oh, very yeah. similar. To what Tywin wears in that season. So it's like she's pretty much just merging herself with her father's very stern, very cold, I guess, demeanor. There, wow. there, was, a, there was a really great post. I don't know if some of you go on Reddit or not, but I follow like only two uh, subreddits of Game of Thrones. And one of them had somebody that analyzed all of Cersei's dresses from season one to now. And uh, they, they did a really great one where they showed all the dresses that Cersei started to wear when Marjorie came uh, came into the picture. And Marjorie's known to wear, you know, like show her belly button, show her arms. Like, not, I don't want to say slutty dresses, but very, you know, showing the cleavage, you know, just all that stuff, you know. Uh, I don't even want to say promiscuous. God, I can't come up with a word for it. But you guys know what I'm saying. It's very Revealing. Showing. Revealing, thank you. Uh, and, but it looks good on her. It looks nice, you know. And... So Cersei started to wear stuff like that. She started to show her shoulders and uh, a little bit of cleavage. Like she started to wear those types of dresses. Show her and sex appeal. Yeah, she, exactly. She had to compete with this younger, more beautiful queen. Like it, it, it's pretty cool when you, you're watching this show and you're listening to dialogue and stuff. But are you paying attention to the details? And that's why I like these people that go and post this stuff. And you don't have to believe it or even think it's right. But it was just a really cool read. And I... I I agreed with everything that they were saying. So this dress is definitely she's putting up armor. She's getting ready for battle, but it's the irony is she's already won. And uh yeah. it's just she looks great with and it's like it's either a black or navy blue. Um I don't know how you didn't like that dress was lit, but I she looked like a villain. She looked fantastic. She's always been a villain, but not at this caliber. Now now she's the ultimate one and I think even Jamie recognizes that. When he get when he sees her there, that's what I wanted to ask too. Do you all think that look that Jamie gave her was just kind of like, now what have you done, or was it uh, 
um, like, oh my god, like, what havoc have you wreaked? Or now we have to stand together. Like, what was in that look? Well, well, that's the thing, though, is that Jamie, you know, because as soon as Jamie saw her, um, you know, being crowned as queen, he had to know that that his son died. So, so because of course he came there without the knowledge of his son dying. As soon as he saw her stand sitting there, he had to immediately notice, my last kid is dead. She's being named the queen. She must have done something. So, I feel that that look was a look of anger that he was showing, or or like disappointment in her. He loved her, and all of a sudden, because he did, he would do anything for her. But all of a sudden, knowing that. She might have been the one who killed, of course, you know, her son. I mean, his son. I feel that that was a look of just disappointment and anger. I think it was like disbelief. Like, what have you done? Like, because he killed the Mad King for wanting to do that. But on a, you know, a grander scale. But she basically just took on that role of the Mad Queen. She... She blew up the Sept of Baylor with the uh, wildfire, and that's part of of um, the Mad King's plan. And that's why Jamie eventually had to kill him because he said it himself. He was going to kill innocent people because he he thought everyone what were his enemies, and that's basically to the point where Cersei's got in, where everyone's her enemy. The High Sparrow and the Faith Militant are her enemy. The Tyrells are her enemy. Her Uncle Kevin is her enemy because he doesn't indulge her the way, you know, his father would, or her father would to an extent. I I do want to say for the Jamie and, and Walder Frey scene that uh, their little chat, you know, it may, it may have been brief, but it, it said a lot because Walder Frey's comparing himself and jamie's like you know we're kingslayers they talk shit behind our backs and i'm there and and you sit you you watch jamie's reaction to what walder frey is saying he's like you know like you could see in his face like i'm nothing like you like the reason i killed the king was not for glory was not because he betrayed me but because he was gonna do something horrible and i had to stop him and i did it anyway even knowing that people were gonna judge me for it later in my life you know and that's why i love jamie because He's just, he's just awesome. So like, I remember no, no, no. seeing that scene and being like, look, Jamie, look at that ugly, wrinkled old nutsack. That is you in the no, future. Priscilla. No, Priscilla. No, no, that's what he could be. That's what, that's why I think when he sits there, he's like, I could be this guy. I could turn into this guy, even though we did the same things, but for different reasons. And then that's why I love how Jamie brushes it off and says, you know, well, why do we even need you? You know, you, well, they fear us. Like, no. Jamie is such a, like, I feel that Jamie is such an amazing character. The only thing is that when he's with Cersei, that's when we start hating him, be, you know, disliking him because he's influenced by Cersei. But when he's away from her, he's just, he's such a likable character. Mm-hmm. I feel that, you know, now that Cersei is going to, like, went on nuts, Jamie's going to be one of my favorite characters after, after this. Yeah, and it's really, it's. It's one of the things they highlighted in like a episode or two ago when he's telling Edmure and he tells a lot, you know, some people, you know, how much he loves Cersei. He would do anything for her. But even he said, you know, he that she puts her children before him. So what is Cersei without her children? And what it, it and 
I guess, you know, right now without her children, the only person that's close to her is Jamie. But I feel like even Cersei could almost turn on him. It's weird. And when he comes back and he sees the destruction, he's in disbelief. He's like, what? He's like, I literally leave for two weeks and this is what happened. I know it's not two weeks. It's a it's a long time. They just never really, you know, give us a, a good timeline in this episode. But we can assume it's been it's been a while. And uh, I think he gets a little bit of a, a, a fear, like, who is this woman? And I also think he's never really known his sister. I don't think he, he might be in love with the idea of love or something. I don't know. I don't think Jamie's known any other re- type of relationship uh, until he met Brienne. Because all he's known is Cersei. All he's known is her manipulative ways. And maybe he never even saw it that way. He was blinded by love or whatever. And now he's going to see who she truly is. And he's already kind of gotten it. He doesn't know the whole story yet, though, of why she did it. But I don't think that matters. You and know? I can't wait to see. That's awesome, though, because I hope he ends up with Brienne. Oh, my God. No, you, no, you people no. are shipping him. That's totally no. not going to happen. Oh, oh, oh. I don't care who <laughs> he ends up with. But I do acknowledge that when he met Brienne, like, I think he was able to evaluate, like, his life and stuff and open up to somebody finally uh, out I of everybody, know. aside from Tyrion. Because Tyrion's, I think, the only one he ever, he also loved and was able to confide in, in some things. But Brienne's, like, someone totally different, not his family, you know, with the enemy. is you know, he's her, her prisoner. And somehow they were able to, you know, talk like that. And it's just, it's really awesome to see. I feel that Brienne was the one who opened them up to see it, see things in different ways. Yeah. That's who Brienne was. But, but I don't, but I don't, I don't think he's going to end up with Brienne. I think Brienne has to be what Brienne has to be what Tormund. He, they have to be. <laughs> I don't care they who. Just, have, just sell it. Sell it to me. If, Make sure it's, if, it's worth it. If Brienne and Jamie end up together, I'm I'm gonna riot. <laughs> I, I don't care. Maybe they could fuck once. I don't care. I mean, sh- isn't that what Bronn said? He fuck her. I fuck her. I was like, mm, okay, give it to her. But um, I think their friendship is one of the best things in this season. But uh. Yeah, all that King's Landing stuff, good. The the music, the score was nothing like we've ever heard before. It was so good. Uh, everybody getting ready. You know, I love that everyone's wearing their best clothes. And then the, the High Sparrow's just wearing a potato sack like he always <laughs> does. Like, it's just, it's fucking, it's awesome. And it look, you know what it also, in, in hindsight, what it looks like? It looks like they're all getting ready for a funeral. Just the music, the, the first it was silence and just the bells. And then it's the piano, you know, and it's just, it's fantastic. And uh, just, rip Pycelle, nobody liked you. No, Pycelle, I was I was thinking like the true winner of the Game of Thrones because he's been there since Eris and he survived to be taken out by like seven kids. Like, holy sh- that was, that was terrifying. I feel bad for the whore. She's never going to get yeah, her money. He, and and the thing <laughs> is that I wonder how many times he has pulled her and um, pulled that trick on her. So does he owe her a lot of money? And all Probably. of a sudden, he said so. But that was a really cool scene. I I really liked it. And and, and Kyburn's an interesting guy. Like I don't hate him, but I know he's a little fucked up from you know creating the mountain and doing weird experiments. But he's never really harmed anyone. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Like he's never like I hate Pycel more than I hate Kyburn because Pycel's just a scheming little like he pretends he's frail and old. But he's, he's there having sex with, like, these younger ladies and doing things he's not supposed to be doing. 
and Kyber is just kind of there, you know. So when I saw him die, but from the kids though, that was fucking, that was disturbing. There's so many disturbing scenes in like the first ten minutes, and uh, it's it's amazing how Game of Thrones has made me kind of like like immune to it. But I'm also like, holy shit. I relished one thing that I, that I noticed when you were talking about Jamie. In the first episode, Jamie pushes Bronn out the window, and in this one, like Tommen, like pushes himself out of the fucking window it's it's so like perfect like this is the perfect revenge for the starks like fuck like he he brought this upon himself yeah i mean there was a point where we were all like you know in this during the like maybe the second season where we're like man you know the starks are dying and then the third season happened the red wedding we're like oh my god the starks but the land this is like the downfall of the lannisters but mostly cersei you know, we've all liked Tyrion, I think, from the beginning. Jamie slowly warmed up to most people. And Cersei just never warmed up to anybody. And it's just really awesome to see that. And Tommen's death was so fucking shocking. I loved it because we knew he was going to die. But we could have done a thing where maybe he died next season or something. But no, he just dies right there. And the way he goes suicide, and it makes me so sad. Because so many people hated him because he was useless. But... It's not his fault that he was like, what, 15, 16, maybe even younger, because he's supposed to be younger than Sansa, but they, you know, sped up his uh, his age. But he was always genuinely good. He wanted to help Marjorie. She wanted he wanted to help Loras. He wanted to be a good king, but he had the worst advisors and he had Cersei for a mother who was paranoid from her own prophecy that she brought in the High Sparrow. She got Marjorie arrested. You know, it just. It's so sad, and Tommen just fucking gave up, and I felt so bad for him. Absolutely bad for him. <laughs> I... Okay, so we've talked shingles about the King's Landing thing, but not one of us have mentioned the Arya scene. The Arya killing Walder Frey the same way her mother died, by slitting yep. his never, throat. Never Another trust shock. you something, okay? <laughs> never trust when someone serves you their, like... Something, oh my, that pie. No. That pie. What does that say about Arya, though? What does that say about her? She's savage. She's fucking savage. And you know, it's kind of horrifying to know that she just killed, what, his two sons? That's what I'm guessing she killed. And then she baked them in a pie. And then she served Not only that, to but she had dad. to butcher them. She yeah, that's why. Them. Yeah, she fucking anni- annihilated, because there was like a, what, a toe in that in that uh in that screenshot that we get it's a toe i think in the pie and that's fucking that Arya is supposed to be like 11 or 12 the same as uh liana mormon she's supposed to be the same age um that is terrifying and horrible and i would be more concerned if she did that to everybody but she's doing it to the people on her list her enemies and that makes us go like fuck yeah okay but she just butchered people and bake them into a pie and then kill somebody else like that is savage that is kind of scary one thing but about Arya, it. one thing about Arya, and and also um aria and also lancel is that he, he you know she got stabbed twice and she was able to still run and jump and do all that and so got stabbed i think he got stabbed on the leg i wasn't i wasn't sure where he got stabbed at and he couldn't even get up and take off that you know blame it's just i think he got shanked i think she got shanked 
he got shanked in the right place. Yeah, that little kid yeah. knew where to knew where to stab him because that was a plan. They were they were going to lure him in there, uh, or if not, that kid was prepared to, you know, stab him somewhere where he was going to be uh, incapacitated. Like that was well, definitely planned. And Arya at least had a day, maybe a couple hours to heal a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to defend the horrible, um, you know, what they did with that, but. For Lancel, he just got shanked in the right place and he could not walk. And then he's not a fighter either, so... But that's the thing, though, is that Arya got stabbed by a trained assassin. And Lancel got stabbed by a kid. Yes, maybe if he still got stabbed, you know, um, in, in the right place. But he could have still crawled, even rolled his way to, you know, even rolled his way there. But he couldn't even move at all. I was just kind of think- like... The whole time I was kind of like, blow, you can't move, blow, like, whistle, do something, just scream at the candles, it's just fucking li- I don't know. take the, the way, lighthouse. Yeah, the way he got stabbed, I think you're, you're right, Evelyn, he got stabbed, like, kind of on the side, like, in the back, and I'm trying to, like, you know, feel that for myself, and I think I would be a little pussy and be on the floor, too, because Lancel's not so yeah, big, badass guy. Yeah, like, he's not... Season one, Robert was just you know, being a dick to him all over the place. He's the one with the long hair and the stupid little hat. He's not a tough person the way Arya is. Like, he seems like he's a pansy. Yeah, I think uh, it was just he was caught off guard, and uh, that kid got either a lucky shot or they told him where to to stab him and stab him deep and just leave him there, because either way he was going to die. There was no way he was going to blow out all those candles and it was going to just be okay. The fire was probably gonna get, was still gonna get there. Something, they had a plan B. It was all gonna happen anyway. Uh, One thing about um, the Arya scene was the, I guess, the face that she used when she killed Walder Frey. That's the same person that's staring at Jaime. Do you think that she's already wearing the face at this point? Or do you think that's the lady whose face she took? Oh, oh no, no, I think she, I think that was her the entire time. But I don't think Jamie's on her list though. It's just Cersei. But she was eyeing Jamie. I honestly got scared a little bit for Jamie there because I don't want him to die yet. His redemption arc is not done yet. And I I wanna see him do some good, some more good if he can. Uh but I liked how she was watching him and we realized it's Aya and we're like, oh fuck. But well, thank God they went to the scene where he's already in King's Landing. I'm like, yes. But is that where Arya's going? I mean, like, I don't know. Like, damn. I don't think Jamie. Like, I don't think Jamie is on her list. Uh, Cersei, I see why because Cer- because Cersei, of course, wanted Arya to be killed because you know um it's big uh with you know the Joffrey scene earlier in season one, you know she, she wanted Arya to be killed, so of course she has a grudge against her. But Jamie, I don't think. Like Jamie doesn't have anything with Arya, uh, so I don't see the reason why she should try killing him. I think most of the people on her list are already dead. Bruce Bolton's dead. Um, the people in the King's Guard that who was it? Ilan Payne isn't he dead? And then the other guy, Walter Frey. Yeah, Walter she, Frey. Now it wasn't. She, and then and she, then took she off. killed. No, she killed the guy when he was in um, Bravos. That's She's true. missing and, Cersei and the mountain, the hound, wh- which she took off the list anyway. The mountain and Beric Dondarrion and Thoros of Mir. The oh, two- and Melisandre. 
Yeah, so the, those three, the ones that 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 helped take Gendry away, and but those three are still alive. Where, where the fuck is Gendry? He, we didn't see him all season. Is he just lost at sea at this point? He's fucking lost forever. He's been, he's he's been just... lost since season three. Yeah, he's he's been lost. He, I don't know if he's ever coming back, but yeah. They just didn't wrap that story up, and it's like, well, where is Gendry? I, I feel he's just gonna pop up one day. And it's gonna be like, whoa, this guy has a beard. Oh my god, like, I I would hope so, but I, I think this that's one of those things where it's like, and he sailed off into the sunset, never to be seen again. Like, we're, we're well, I don't we're, think he wanted to be caught up in that shit anyway, so I don't mind that he's gone into hiding. Or he still Atlantis. Yeah, or still rowing. One thing he, was that he was just rowing to King's Landing, he saw the explosion, he was like, nope, turn around and just... <laughs> he just said, I would rather take my chances in the sea. I think um, I think he's part of the boats that are rowing towards King's Landing right now. Like you're just like, and Gendry was in the side over there somewhere. If you enhance, if you enhance good, you can see the little boat right there. <laughs> I saw a meme. Someone like put him in amongst Daenerys's ships. Oh, there's Gendry. <laughs> it's like that would be funny. It's a Where's Waldo horse, Gendry. Oh my god. I, all I want to say, like, to cap off that um, Arya scene, is that her stuff is supposed to be, like, it's in the books. Like, there's a guy named Lord Wyman Manderley who, like, cooks three pies that are filled with, like, three frays. So, like, it, it's it's canon-ish. Like, it, it makes sense. I was just kind of, like, blown away by it. Fray but, pies. Yeah. Yeah. Baked into a pie. Uh-uh. Don't trust pies. That was a really cool adaptation that they did, I think, from the books. Uh, it's a pretty fucking twisted cool adaptation, having Aya do it. And people were always like, well, what did, uh, what did Aya learn? She didn't learn anything. She got stabbed in the streets. Like, well, bitch, she learned to bake. <laughs> so. She learned <laughs> it's to bake hot pie. A killer it's pie. Hot pie. She put in hot pie recipes and uh, the faceless men. She put it together and she made fray pies. I'm down for that. I mean, I wouldn't eat it, but I'm down that she did it. Watch the next gathering. Everyone's gonna bring food to, you know, to watch the. the uh, you know, everyone's gonna be a potluck. Someone's gonna bring pie. It's just gonna be left there. No one's gonna even touch it. <laughs> oh my god, poor Arya. No. During, oh, you know, during Thanksgiving when pie is popular, everyone's gonna post pictures. Nope, not touching this. <laughs> I hope so. So. We've covered up all the Citadel and the twins stuff, so let's go on to the Citadel. Uh, real short scene, we just have Samuel, Tarly, uh, Gilly, and baby Sam, they finally make it to the Citadel, and he talks to kind of the maester secretary, and he says that his intentions are to become a maester, and he's just told he has to talk to the grand maester, and meanwhile you can wait at the library. And he has kind of like a Beauty and the Beast bell scene where he's just kind of like, oh, this is beautiful. And I was like, this is a beautiful library. I love this. And if you see, like if you're a sharp viewer, you can see that the, st the thing that's lighting up like the books is the same thing that comes out in the opening, opening. the sun with the little like shit like rolling around it. Like I thought that was a real nice moment. But 
keep, keeping like going because the Citadel is a pretty like short scene. We we go to Winterfell, and we have Davos Seaworth finally confronting Melisandre about burning Shireen at the stake, and she admits that she did it, and she was wrong to believe that the Lord needed it. So Jon Snow has her exiled. And later Jon Snow talks to Sansa and he admits that he's not a Stark and that they won because of her. But he, she just says, like, you are a Stark and that I'm sorry for, for, for what I've done. And they resolve to trust one another. And because the White Raven came, it reveals that winter is here. And later on in this, like a scene, we have Peter Baelish talking to Sansa at the Godswood of Winterfell. And he finally reveals his end goal, which is to be king and have Sansa as his queen, which is gross, 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 hella gross. You're gross. Um, but luckily and thankfully for the viewer, she refuses his advances, even if he's declared for Lord Stark. And, he, and, and even when he warns her against Jon Snow. So I'm going to pause at that moment just to be just like so glad and thankful for Sansa like she's grown up so much from the little girl who prayed underneath the godswood tree to like I want to be queen I want to be taken away I want to and to now be like I just want to be home in Winterfell I don't want to be queen of anything like she's matured so much I love her like I I've completely changed my mind about her from season one till now Yes, she was because at the end season one, I didn't really like her that much. But now she did change a lot. But of course, she did go through all that stuff. She got, you know, Joffrey. I mean, Joffrey treated her really bad. She was and she just had the worst out of everyone. Well, well, out of most of them. So I don't, you know, I don't blame her for being for being changed. I mean, for changing. She also became pretty cold, too. Yeah, but cold in in a good way. Like, I I would picture her saying that she's cold when she's with like the black hair about to marry like a Bolton. That was Sansa at her coldest. I think this time, like, she's it's not that she's cold; it's that she's grown. It's that she realizes the game that's around her. She, she's matured as well, and I think uh, uh, season one Sansa was pretty hard to swallow. I think. Uh, but I do think we get the most of her character in that scene where her mother's brushing her hair when, when Catelyn is, you know, spending some time with her. And she's like, you know, I want to marry the, you know, please let me go to King's Landing. I, I Joffrey's so handsome. Like, she is so with the fairy tales. And I don't blame her. She's like 13 when the show starts. Like, I, I can't fault her for liking that type of stuff, you know. And I, I think it's cute, but... We do get the bratty side. You know, there's one thing believing in fairy tales and then there's the brattiness that she has and that we see. But right off when season two starts and Joffrey's a little bitch in that one scene where he, where he shows her Ned's head. And she's and he's like, and I'm going to get your brother's head too. You know, I'm going to get Rob's head. And she's like, or maybe he'll bring me yours. Like Sansa's always been sassy. She had some good comebacks and she was able to manipulate Joffrey as much as she could. And pretty well until Marjorie stepped in and Marjorie was like another level, which is why I wish we could have had more Sansa, more Marjorie. Marjorie could have taught her a lot better. Um, but Sansa was good for what she had. And uh, that's why I started to like Sansa more and more and more even though she was a victim and uh and now she's just she's a full she's a woman 
a young or no she's a young lady because i think right now if i'm gonna if i have to estimate her age she's like 15 16. she's not even that old yeah she she still looks she, like a teen she yeah because when she like when she marries Tyrion, she says that she's 14. and that was in season three god damn these people so, are like yeah they've aged like yeah and, and then you get peter baelish there like in season five like in another universe i could have been your father and then he, he makes out with her and i'm like what the fuck who the fuck ships this shit he is so creepy and he he takes advantage of her he preys on her and not physically well i mean a kiss is physically but emotionally and mentally he just manipulates her and i don't know how people want them together and i'm so proud of sansa pushing him back and being like that's a pretty picture but nah man like she is so team Jon snow and i love that and i guess we're not getting a, a definitive answer if uh she knew for sure that peter baelish was coming with the veil i'm gonna infer that she did and that's why she says she was sorry so that ends the argument of well maybe she didn't know they were coming apparently it's inferred that she did but she apologizes and i, I and izzy's not here but izzy didn't make a point to say that she just doesn't trust john and i'm like i think uh that is correct that she didn't trust john to do the right thing when it came to fighting ramsey on the battlefield because who's to say even if they had the veil with them and they had a plan ramsey was still going to do the same damn thing and play with him and they were probably gonna it's still going to be the same thing or maybe a little twist to it i don't know so she didn't trust John to do the right thing against Ramsey because John is like Ned. He's honorable. He's just. He's fair. He hasn't played the Game of Thrones. He's been at the Watch. He's been over there at Castle Black. But Sansa's been over here in King's Landing. He she's seen all the way the game is played. She has a little bit more insight on that. So when John and her really need to work together, and now that Littlefinger is there planning ideas into her head, she needs to be like John. Listen to me. We can't trust Littlefinger. And when I give you something about him, take it. Understand it. Respect me that I'm old enough to know what I'm talking about. Because John doesn't know how to play the game. So listen to Sansa. Work together. Please. I hope he listens to Sansa. Because like last time he didn't, he didn't seem to listen to her when she told him about Ramsay. Yeah. And that shit happened. Well, Littlefinger's already starting to like manipulate Sansa. I don't think Sansa is gonna like trust John as much now that Littlefinger. No, Finger's I think she will. There. I think she will. I don't think Littlefinger did anything. I think what he he just he was vulnerable in that moment, and I think Sansa is gonna learn to uh, to to one up him. I think she is not gonna fall for him again. But I do think she is scared for John. One thing that I also feel is that I feel that Littlefinger maybe left Sansa with you know, with the Boltons, um, thinking that, you know what, they were going to break her enough for him to go and save her. And then he, she would fall for him thinking, oh, well, he saved me. Or, or or even if she escaped, she would already be broke, way too broken with the Boltons. And he could be like, oh, well, she's already broken. I could manipulate her whichever way I want. Wow. Like, that's, that's even more dastardly than I would expect him. But like, yeah, like, like go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just kind of—I was just still like amazed, like shit. If if he planned it like that, like he's—I can't even we'll, say he surprises me because that's the point. Like that Baelish is so smart that he surprises the shit out of me at every turn. So you know what? That's genius and probably what he did. I don't—I yeah, don't think so. I think he fucked up. I literally think 
Ramsey Bolton was not something that everybody knew, especially I even think Tyrion didn't know who the fuck Ramsey Snow was. He was just known as Bruce Bolton's bastard. He's just known as much as Jon Snow is known. So he in his mind, it was like I can get he he, he was thinking of himself. He was just he's a, a man that gambles. He says that somewhere in the season. I don't know where he says it, but he's like, I am a gambling man. He gambled Sansa. And he fucked up. I think that's what Whoa. it is because there's no way he gave Sansa. Because even if, even if um, he's in love with Catelyn, he's he's manifesting Catelyn in Sansa, and he wouldn't hurt her that way. He'll manipulate her, but he will not hurt her, and he will not put her in danger. And that is why he came to save the day with the veil. Because in the end, he will do stuff for Sansa, but as long as it's a win-win. And here, she pushed him away from the kiss, and he's gonna be angry. He won't hurt her, but he's gonna hurt John. I feel like Littlefinger's just playing the, you know, I feel that Littlefinger's putting everything where it belongs for his final scheme. I feel that maybe he did plan it perfectly, um, you know, to get Sansa there. Um, of course, uh, you know, maybe he knew that Jon Snow had an army, they were gonna clash for Sansa, something like that. I feel that he's placing everything just in place so so everything can go his way because of course you cannot trust him and he is and we already know that he knows how to like manipulate people plus scheme stuff so I feel that he's playing the biggest game that nobody you know that nobody knows he's I agree he, with that I think uh, he has a lot of steps that uh, which is why he started everything he started everything. He made Liza kill her husband, but I feel like those were the old players of the game that he was able to manipulate. And I don't think Sansa is going to be a victim of his. I think she will learn from him and maybe manipulate him. Like, cause she didn't push him and be like, "Ew, Peter, what are you doing?" She was just kind of like, "No, okay, bye." You know, like she well, she did it really in a subtle way. Yeah, and she I did. think and and I think. Littlefinger's kind of like, I can still get to her. I can still plant seeds of doubt in her. But she's gonna... She said right right there to John, you cannot trust Littlefinger. Even though he came to save us. It wasn't him. It was I asked and he came. But we cannot trust him. So I don't think... If they make Sansa say that and then next season fuck her over, that's really bad writing. And I can't be... I can't support that at all. I don't know. You know? Because... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, it's because of course Baelish, he, you know, um, one thing is that he's the he's one of the only ones who has not died, has not suffered anything great. He, you know, um, he he's going everything. I mean, for him so far, his role is going perfect. Everyone else has suffered. Everyone else has lost something. He's the only one who hasn't. He, I feel that he's gaining each season that keeps going along. He started off without an army, now he has an army. I feel that he's the one who's gonna be the end game, the biggest one. One well, one of the biggest ones. Yeah. Well he said it to Sansa that he picked like everything that he does, he plans with is it gonna get him the Iron Throne? And is it going to get him, you know, married to Sansa? And if you apply that to all of his actions, like way back when throughout all the seasons you see that that's the case he helps Catelyn when she first arrives because you know obviously he can't 
deny her and then still expect to, you know, remain friendly of the Starks. But then you see him backstab uh, Sansa when she's not going to go with him to the Vale. He decides to stand King's Land Landing because she's going to, or she intends to marry Loras. Oh, and he gives that information to Cersei and they stop that. That's true. The I think little, that yeah. I think that he gave her to the Boltons because he knew that it wasn't going to work out and it was going to give him a reason to invade Winterfell. Cuz I don't I think mean, he I don't think he knew how bad. He just no. knew that it was a win-win for him. That if yeah, he, he died, didn't, she would still he didn't have think, it well. Yeah. He didn't think that she would like she was going to suffer like that. But he knew that the the Bolton marriage was not going to work out. And she was going to end up with Winterfell one way, one way or another, whether they're going to have to scheme and assassinate Ramsay, or whether it's going to cause actions that would, you know, cause a battle, which is what happened when, you know, John retook Winterfell. So he's been pretty smart about all of his actions, and basically he's, his plan has been, you know, going according to plan. And that's Don't you think that Sansa... he's going like... to... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, um... Don't you think that in the end he might try to attack the North? Because of course, both I mean, you know, the Boltons lost the, the, the Boltons got wiped out. Uh, John lost a lot of his, um, you know, men during that battle. He still has the army perfectly intact um, because of course they just wiped everyone out in the very last minute. Don't you think he's just gonna like later on probably attack the North and take over the North? It depends on whether the North and all the other, like, splintered off, um, I guess, regions become part of the Seven Kingdoms again. Because you have, like, Pike and the Iron Islands, and now they've declared that, you know, there's a king over there, when before that wasn't the case. You know, they were under the Crown's control. And the North, they had a warden, which, you know, took care of, of that region. But it wasn't a king. You know, they still had to answer to the crown. And since, you know, the War of the Five Kings, there's been all these different factions splinter off. And if they all end up as one, then he wouldn't need to take over the North. And I think that's what he plans to do. I do uh, want to say that the scenes between John and Sansa were really, really fantastic. I think... Uh, the scene where they're like, you know, winter, winter is here. And then John smiles and he's like, well, dad always said, you know, it's just all good stuff for the Starks. I'm so happy we're here. And I don't think it's, I don't honestly think it's a little bit of fan service. I just think that this is where we're at and this is really sweet. And I do think there is going to be conflict, but, um, I'm just, I'm glad for that scene with John and he kisses her forehead. You know, we need to trust each other and I hope, I hope that's what we do. I'm sorry, but Kit Harrington's acting just boring sometimes. It's just very flat. I don't so agree with like, that. Like his, his like little emotional things of Sansa, it's like, okay. And then the little kiss, it looked a little bit awkward to me, to be honest. It's just like, uh, more North shit. It started to get boring after a while. Aww. Not at all to me, but go ahead, Priscilla. No, I, all I want to say is... That scene was sweet, but I'm waiting for a sweeter scene. Like, I was so f 
fucking pissed that we didn't get Melisandre dead this time around. Like, I know that that she said we will meet again to Arya, but Davos deserved to kill her. Like, ah, oh, it felt kind of like as a king, uh, John had two choices. He could let Melisandre be killed by, by Davos, or he could say, well, you've given me life, so it's okay for you to take another and, like, let her stay. But he chose the worst out of all of the things. He just let her go. But that's what I told you, Priscilla. Um, because because you know, Jon Snow isn't. He, yes, he probably got brought brought back to life. Maybe not the same as before, but still, I don't think he's a killer. So it's like what I told you that you know to see the episode before that he was gonna banish her. Um. So so that's why she's gonna be. I mean, you know, banished to later probably play a bigger role. Maybe you're right. Yeah, so I was bummed out that you know Sir Davos wasn't able to execute her because I I feel bad for Davos. Davos was such a good character, and he was so close to Shireen. She fucking taught him how to read, and for that to happen to her was really sad. And he didn't get any sense of justice from her being banished. And you know he threatened her, like if you come back, I will execute you myself. Which I hope she does try and go back, and I hope he does kill her. I feel her. well. Well, one thing about Sir Davos, I feel that maybe he says that, but I wonder if she really is in front of him, and w- would he end up killing her? Is he that type of person to just kill someone like that? Fuck yes, I hope so. <laughs> I-, I do like though that when he goes to confront Melisandre, she's not because we see her, you know, deteriorate from her faith a little bit before she brings back Jon Snow. Um, we get to see a little bit more of a humanized Melisandre, a fanatic even. She was a huge fanatic for her god until he fails her, but not necessarily. She just interpreted her shit wrong. And um, Davos comes and he's, you know, he throws her the, the toy and they even pan to a shot of her shaking when she has the toy in her hand. And you could say that it's because she's caught and she's sad or she literally it's guilt and she feels really shitty and how do you apologize and say i did this and i was wrong because she says that she doesn't really say like the lord told me to and it happened she's like i was wrong like she admits that she did something so shitty and in and in retrospect she wouldn't have done it if her lord didn't tell her to like i don't see melisandre as some evil bitch who's gonna be killing everybody she just kills who her lord tells her to so i don't see her so black and white i see her as a gray area don't get me wrong when shireen was burned that was shitty but she only did it in the orders of stannis and because she influenced stannis as well but ultimately stannis gave her the go and she did it and that's why she says you know her mom and her dad wanted it to to happen so it's a lot of things but that's why i think john is a lot like ned and also in bad places a lot like ned he's fair and just but also stupid the smart thing would have been to kill melisandre but because she brought him back he's gonna banish her which means we're probably going to see her again unless Arya kills her so speaking of winterfell i spoke about half of it but let's just like finish it off so before we get to winterfell let's talk about beyond the wall we had benjen introduced before and now he's just he's going like he he left Mira Reed and Bran Stark since he said that he that there's magic in the wall and he can't go past it and 
Bran uses his magic at the heart tree to look into the past and let us as viewers know, like, see the Tower of Joy finally. Yes. And we see a dying Lyanna Stark asking Ned to promise to protect her child from Robert Baratheon. And the child is revealed to be Jon fucking Snow. And Jon, late, like, it pans to him. And at Winterfell, John, grown-up John, is telling the remaining lords of the North and the wildlings that the true war isn't over. And Lyanna Mormont stands up and tell, admonishes Wyman and Manderly and Glover and Serwin for refusing the Stark call. And she says that the North remembers and it knows no king but Jon Snow, even if he is a bastard. So all their lords pledge their swords to him and call him King in the North. Out like that. A, a part of me is just kind of like, yay, King of the North. But a bigger part of me is just like, yes, R plus L equals J. Like, that theory has finally been proven true. Like, we have L equals J. Now we need to solve for X and have fucking Rhaegar be known as, like, the father. Fuck yes. Thank you, fan theories. Like, I, I love when we're proven right. Yeah. And I, I will always love seeing baby badass Liana Mormont come out again. Like, shit. Omar, you picked a real good house because House Mormont filled with badasses. Yeah, but I'm afraid, I'm scared that that might be it. <laughs> I feel like they weren't gonna, sh you know, show more more like House of Mormont more. So I'm scared. No. Hopefully they do. I think she's gonna be in the long. I think uh, the the audience receive of her is really well done so i think we will get more of her and i'm okay with that uh, if they're taking characters out that they're never gonna put in in this show from the books fucking add someone as badass as her do it keep her there let's let, let her let her stay there and uh i i she is just fantastic her speech riled me up my sister and i were holding hands and we're like the king of the north the king we were all cheering it was just, it was so fantastic, and I'm glad it played out this way. I am a huge Sansa fan, but even I believe that Jon should be king in the north, and Sansa should be by his side and help him with the Game of Thrones. You know, I just wanted to say that it mirrored when Rob was like, yes. king in the north, king in the but Rob looked proud, like he wanted that, and Jon's just kind of like, ah, Shit. John I, I, is not in, I, I think John is in disbelief, but also because John's never been someone to to want power. He just wanted to be a Stark. It didn't even mean like being Lord of Winterfell. He just wanted to belong somewhere and to have a family. He doesn't care about power. And I think those those characters resonate with me more when they don't want power. They just want like love or, you know, companionship, something. And then for John to get this is just it's amazing. And John is just it's crazy he went to the Night's Watch because he felt like he wasn't gonna get shit done in Winterfell no one cared about him he was a bastard he becomes Lord Commander gets killed by his own men and now he's being proclaimed as King of the North and damn that was fantastic I'm so happy for John even though John, I know John doesn't want to do anything <laughs> but I think he's gonna he's gonna embrace this and I think he can do a good job as long as he listens to the right people. Davos is a good guy to have. Sansa is great to have. Lady Morma is great to have. Just be smart. I and just want to say... And John's not very smart sometimes. Because there's a lot of theories about this. So I wanted to uh, pull it out to you guys. That look that Sansa gave Baelish 
was it a happy look? Was it like, we need to fucking do some shit about this now? Like, I'm supposed to be Lady of Winterfell. Was it him warning her? Or was it her be- her kind of being like, I have my eye on you, fucker. Like, I know. And I'm going to stand by my brother. Like, what do you think? Is she, like, really going to go against John? No. No, not at all. I don't think, I think so. That, I think that scene was like, because she was smiling. She was smiling the entire time they were proclaiming him uh, king of the north. And she was like, yay, I my think- big brother, yay. And then little little fingers looking at her like, this is not, I'm not happy about this. Yeah, he just told her right now. Like, who should they follow? The lady of Winterfell or a motherless bastard? And she just and told she her. And she let now. it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And she looked at Littlefinger like, shit, like, I'm happy for John, but shit, I'm going to have to protect him. I think it was more of a smug look because, you know, she played him and, you know, she got shit that she needed to get done. You know, she got shit done, basically. Um, He got the master manipulator got played and I think she was just being smug, like, ha, you know, I got you to help me, but I'm, I'm not putting out. So, you know, fuck off. That's a good interpretation. I, I like also, that. I also think LF uh, probably underestimated the houses and how much they're going to support John. Because, yes, um, Sansa saved the day with calling the Vale to help in the battle. But John riled everyone up. You know, he, he fought in the battle. He fought for Winterfell. He fought for Sansa. He fought for Rickon. He fought to get their home back. And uh, I'm not saying Sansa's not up to rule, but I can see why John is more fitted for that and she can be his trusted on his trusted council you know she can help against uh, Littlefinger and Littlefinger was did you see him how when everyone one by one they started to cheer he kind of lost a little bit of composure very slightly kind of like shit like why is nobody saying anything for for Sansa but Sansa wasn't like why aren't you cheering for me she was like yeah you go Jon Snow and oh fuck Littlefinger fuck Fuck, now he's not going to leave me alone. Like, fuck, that's how I interpreted that. Rizzo, I just saw something. What? George R. R. Martin posted on Twitter, so you guys like Lady Mormont, dot, 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 noted. Yes! Oh, no, don't kill her. Liana Mormont. Oh, fuck. You, you, I, I thought that meant she was going to write more seats for her, but you're right, Evelyn. It's oh. George R. R. Martin. He's going to fucking kill her. Fuck. Shit. Oh, Damn. my God. Fuck. I'm Thank you cry. for that updated news. Oh I'm shit. I'm so I wish she would be, you know, like, I guess, in an ideal world, somehow, fucking Lady Olena would end up on the Iron Throne and proclaim Lady Mormont her heir. That'd be, like, the best fucking era for the Seven Kingdoms ever, because they wouldn't take anyone's bullshit. Getting shit done. Yes. No one would be able to take over. They'd be like, nah. I, Hashtag I, 2017, make it happen. <laughs> I do want to say that when they when they uh, confirmed that long-term theory that's been going on for like 10 years, even 20 years, I don't know when the book came out and everybody was coming up with that theory. Um, there is some talk about on articles and reviews about how hardcore fans and book fans or hardcore show watchers know the theory and we were just all happy. But then there are show watchers who aren't as hardcore and were confused. And a lot of people thought Ned Stark and Lyanna Stark had Jon Snow. 
No, that's dumb. He's way too I know. for that. I know, but a lot of show watchers were confused because they have yet to show any flashback of Rhaegar or even mention his name at all. So, but they did it purposely, you know, but we as show watchers, either we read up on the theory or we really paid attention whenever they mentioned Robert's Rebellion. Like, even if I didn't know the theory from online, I would have put the pieces together, especially when Littlefinger talks to Sansa in the crypts. He's like, how yeah. many people had to die because Rhaegar chose your aunt? Right there. That's but all you need to know. Online, HBO had posted uh, like a, a flow chart, I guess. Or really a chart trying to track <laughs> yeah. who's who's uh, you know this person's parents. Um, how did this person like who did who killed this other person? And on that chart was Jon Snow, and it had it you know right there. plotted there that Rhaegar and Lyanna are his parents. And this is from HBO themselves. It wasn't like a fan blog or anything. Yeah, it's all there. Well, because okay. I say, and I say that because I read that, but I also experienced it because my mom was like, she understood that the baby was John, but she didn't understand like what was going on, and that I think is part of the reason where you have fans that you know you really like a show and you're gonna watch it, and you're gonna really listen to the dialogue and what everything, what everyone's saying, and then there are people who are tweeting throughout the episode and not really paying attention, or you really they really don't understand it, so then they're asking questions like that. And my mom, we had to explain to her after the episode, Mom, that's Jon Snow, that's Ned's sister, Lyanna Stark, and the baby belongs to Rhaegar, which we haven't met yet, because he's dead. Like, we have, we just, that's all we said, and she's like, okay. They better cast the hot guy for, for Rhaegar, I, I'm just I saying. I think we but... will, get, I, yeah, no, I agree. I think we need a hot Rhaegar, because he's supposed to be hot, so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I mean, there's no more Ramsey, so there needs to be someone else. No, I was gonna say there's no more Dario. Like I was gonna go. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, no. Fucking shit! Like so. Finish capping this shit off. Like we have Daenerys Targaryen talking to Dario Naharis, and she tells him he's gonna stay with the Second Sons in Marine and leave, as she's gonna leave with her army in Westeros and potentially offer herself up in marriage for future alliances. And he declares that like I love you. But she's like, nah, I, I, I don't care. Like, you're going to be a liability. And in, the throne, <laughs> yeah. and in the throne room, she talks to Tyrion. And he, he's, he attempts to console her, but he's pretty fucking bad at it. And he tells her that he believes in her. And she declares him Hand of the Queen. And back in Dorne, and you'll see why I like a bounce around with this, Olena Tyrell meets with Alaria Sand and the Sand Snakes, and she kind of shuts them down. But under Varys... They all agree to ally with one another for vengeance against the Lannisters. And back at the Bay of Dragons, finally, under the flags of Greyjoy and Lannister, we see Yara, we see Theon Greyjoy, we see the Dothraki, we see the Unsullied, we see the dragons, and we finally pan to Misande, Tyrion, Varys, and Daenerys, all set to sail to Westeros. Final fucking lee. One thing that you did not note it, who was happy yet a little bit like tearful when, when the when Danny crowned, um, when Danny gave, of course, um, you know Tyrion, that the you know the hand like you know to to be technically, you know, um, to be her hand. I was, I was so I loved that part. Happy. 
He was. I was scared though, cause he's been hand before and it fucked up royally for him. I'm just kind of like, oh, but, I wish you had just been counsel instead of hand. Now, like, you've got a target on your back again. But before, um, but before he was forced to be hand. This time, she was. She technically asked them, and he was like, yes, you know, he kneeled to her. And he, I feel like he was about to cry on that scene because he was just so happy, you know. He, because I, I feel that maybe he loves her, not not in that way, but he loves her as a queen, and he would do anything to like help her out. I hope so. Like, and I'm just gonna say, like, just as me being like sad, I loved. Dario and Daenerys together because I felt like they both kind of used each other like as fuck buddies like not he didn't love her and she didn't love him I thought that that was like the accord for him to say I love you I was like no really why like you were you were cooler when like you weren't Jorah like when you hey. liked her like you just liked her and you were both using one another so for him to kind of like pussy out and be like no I love you why aren't you taking me with you I'm fine being like the concubine like the mistress on the side like that was such a bitch move like she chose jorah because remember she, remember she sent jorah to, to get you know pretty much to get uh to find a cure and to be by her side she she told jorah i need you by my side so and he left dario behind so yeah team jorah well he is a mormon and you do have that badass little lady up north so that could be an alliance you know between the north and her or it could be a detriment if he wants to take back the Mormont name and wants to take out Lyanna. I don't think he would. He's too caught up with Danny to even care about anything else. She did. I, I she hope, did. I hope he ends up not dying. I like him a lot. I like the Lord of the Friend Zone. <laughs> and now there's someone else. But he's still Lord. And, that, and this is also, I think, a little bit of karma from when Dario in that one episode was just fucking shooting at at Jorah, like, oh, you must be sad because she chose me. It's like, sit down, boy. She didn't choose you. And you know, I've always, I've always liked Dario because I thought he was like sexy and he knew how to fight and he always got shit done whenever Daenerys told him to go do stuff. And um, I think this is really cool that she tells him not to go. Like, I've been, I've been kind of sad that we don't have a romance right now or we haven't had one because I don't mind having a small romance that doesn't take up the entire season but something enough to be like oh that's sweet or all oh, that's cute and we all we got is torment and brianne which is really great but it's just a lot of it's a lot of stairs it's one-sided really, yeah it's very one-sided but it's funny and then we got sam and gilly but they're like eh they're okay but nothing like swooning like oh i really like this and we got twin sets, you know like we don't have very much and I think the only one was Danny and Dario, but they weren't, we didn't even get that either. Like, it was weird. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but he always did say that he he wanted to fight for her and be there for her because he stands for beauty and blood. And I don't know what the hell, some, some kind of um, speech he gives her in, like, the end of season three. Um, but I do feel a little bad for him, but he all he knows is this side of the world. I don't know what he's going to be like in Westeros. I don't think he knows how politics and stuff works over there. So I can see why she doesn't take him with her. And I'm okay with that. But the shocking thing was when she tells Tyrion, you know, I didn't feel anything. And I'm like, oh, shit. You know what they're doing, right? 
You know what they're fucking doing? They're making everyone available bachelors and bachelorettes. And once everyone gets to Westeros, we're gonna have like all these marriages, and everyone's gonna be related, but it's gonna be okay. And like, <laughs> and I'm like, it's bad. Game of Thrones is making me shit people, and I'm sad because they're all related in some way. But um, it's okay that they left Dario there, and Tyrion crying was amazing because nobody ever fucking appreciated him when he did good things, and he never did it to be recognized. He did it. Cause he's a good person and he's smart he knows what he's doing but no one ever gave him credit nobody cares about him and here he is with danny danny doesn't care that he's Tyrion lannister she just cares that he's Tyrion. he's here he's helping her and he's getting the recognition he deserves and that's why i think he gets emotional because for the first time ever someone's like i appreciate you and it's not because of your name and it's not because of your money it's because of you and that is why that scene is so amazing you know I'm just gonna say, like, that scene is amazing, but what I thought was the fucking amazing scene was Olena finally shutting up those fucking sand snakes. <laughs> like, that was fan service. That was, was all fan service. No, when, when the opening came out and when I saw Sunspear and when I saw that little, like, snake going up, I was just kind of like, shit, uh, we're gonna get a Doran yeah. scene. Why? But... Olena manages to make the scene fucking awesome and Varys coming out of fucking nowhere and then putting that alliance together and then teleporting his way to fucking like the, the ship. <laughs> yes, like he knows instant transmutation. Yeah, I, you know, I don't even care. That doesn't even bother me because I'm just assuming it's like weeks and months apart. Like they did the same thing with Jamie at, at the phrase and all of a sudden he's at King's Landing and then, you know, Arya's there already back in Westeros. Like, I just assume time has been passing and I'm okay with that. And I think that scene with Olena was awesome. Um, I like that we didn't get her mourning, we got her angry. And I, I, I already told you guys and I think you guys probably agree. I never liked the Sand Snakes uh, storyline because I thought Ilaria's uh, quest for vengeance was really stupid because nobody did anything. Oberyn wanted to fight, he fought, he got cocky and he lost. There's nobody to blame but himself. But she blamed everybody else. However, she wanted to kill Cersei. I'm okay with that. Kill Cersei. No, she kills Marcella. And I'm like, oh my god. I hate the Dorn scenes. Now they're all gonna kill Cersei. Alright, I'm on your I'm on your side. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna say like this was a great season. I loved it. This was a great ending. So we're gonna get down to brass talks. For every chapter in our journey through Essos and Westeros, we owe the Iron Bank of Bravos a debt. And as we all know, we always pay our debts. And to do so, we give our favor towards each show in coin, be it one golden dragon or ten. So how many was this episode worth to you? And I'm going to start with Omar. What do you give it? Ten. It was, it was really good. Uh, between a ten and well, I'll probably give it the highest rating, the highest because of course it was just they threw everything at you and they did it so perfect. It was just it was the hypometer was so high, you were really excited. It was really great. It made you want more. It it made you be sad when it was over. It was just well made. I. I'm not going to give it a 10. I'm actually going to give it a 7 
Like, it's not necessarily the finale that, like, I care about. I, again, like, they always make it so the second to last episode is, like, the best, and the last, the, the last episode is kind of setting shit up for the next season. So it feels like a setup episode and a really long one, too. The music was great, I'll grant you. Like, and... But I felt that it was really... Like, we had to see every character, and we didn't really have to. Like... I felt they could have like maybe parceled it out a little bit better so like boring fucking episodes like the two before like could be done better like so uh, it's not my favorite finale but it's not awful so okay I'm gonna boost it up it's an eight eight dragons for me that Evelyn. final scene where Danny was just riding towards King Landing just had it was just amazing you know it she is, but found- but it's not like enough for me. Like, final, finally, but eh. like again, eight dragons. Evelyn, how many do you give it? I think I'm gonna have to give it a nine. <clears throat> it was a really good finale. Like, it wrapped up a lot of you know, I guess storylines that were going on, and it launched new ones. Like, what's gonna happen between Cersei and Jaime? What's gonna happen? When Danny comes to, you know, King's Landing and Arya and, and what's new, what's going to happen now with the North. But, you know, a lot of it was predictable, like with the whole wildfire thing. We knew that was, I'm sorry, we knew that was going to happen. And it's just, like I said, this past few episodes that have, it's just been like, they're just doing like this whole fan service thing, which isn't completely bad, but it just takes them down the road of where it becomes very predictable. And the reason why it got a 9 was because I wasn't expecting fucking... <laughs> I wasn't expecting Tommen to throw himself out the window. I literally <laughs> gasped. I was, I was bitching about something with my sister, and then I just see him <laughs> jump out of the window, and I literally stopped mid-sentence, and I gasped because I was like, what the... what? What just happened? And it was him fucking committing suicide, so that really did catch me off guard. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fan service, like, oh, yes, Cersei, you know, blew up this, we knew that was coming. Oh, look, Walder Frey finally got his revenge, but that was an awesome way for it to happen, you know, with, with the whole Arya baking his sons. We couldn't have seen that one coming, and I wouldn't have expected to see her with the face after leaving the Faceless Men, but I guess she kept those skills. But it was, it was a very action-packed episode, and I do agree with you, Priscilla. They could have saved some of it for earlier episodes and finished those storylines earlier as to not have those boring episodes. But it, I give it a 9 out of 10. Lastly, Brittany, how many are you going to give it? Oh, I give it 10 out of 10, or even if we can go over than that, a golden dragon, the biggest golden dragon, like... Holy shit, what a finale. I don't think there's ever been any other finale that made me this hype. We got more than we wanted in this episode. And um, I, I just love it. I mean, we got we got most of our predictions right. But we never got how, the when, and the whys. Like, we, we knew it was going to happen, but how? And was this going to happen? No, or how? You know, it was just amazing. Like, we saw the, the wildfire. We didn't know Marjorie and Loris and Mace and everybody was going to be in there. And it's just, it's so great. We get the, 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 uh, Rhaegar, Liana, and John fucking confirmed. Like, 
That alone is already 10 fucking coins. Like, holy shit. Um, my, one of my predictions didn't come true, but that's okay. We're leaving for predictions. Um, John fucking King in the North, Sansa being like, no bitch, I ain't gonna kiss you. I mean, Arya fucking slitting someone's throat to mirror her mother's death. Uh, Jamie being like, what the fuck? Cersei being crowned queen? Damn. Slay me. Game of Thrones. Fucking amazing finale. Okay, so... Now, in this episode, leading us through the Seven Kingdoms, Cersei said it. You win the Game of Thrones or you die. So, who is your most valued player? And I'm going to start with Brittany. Alright, you know me, guys. I gotta choose Sansa. Uh, I've been waiting for her to fucking slap Littlefinger. She didn't slap him, but I think she did the next best thing, which was push him away when he tried to kiss her for the third time. Third time's the charm, bitches. Um, and I like that they're giving us um, some Sansa, like, uh, you know, is she for Littlefinger? Is she against Jon? I have faith in her. She's going to stick by Jon. She's going to outwit Littlefinger. And she did in this episode, and they're not going to regress her character. Sansa fucking wins. I love Sansa. Okay, now, I'm going to be fair and take this, like, the people who were last go first and first go last. So, Evelyn, you're up next. Who's your most valuable player? Sam. I know it was such a small part that he played, but that episode got really heavy, like, really fast with all those deaths just back to back to back to back. And then you have that really lighthearted scene <laughs> With Sam, between uh, the interaction between Sam and I guess the receptionist dude there, and just his lines and his facial expressions just didn't let it get too dark or just too, you know, it's not so much of a downer episode. You, you had that to kind of lift you back up so you can fall back again, you know, when more people die. But um, <laughs> I thought it was it was a really funny um, interaction, and it had to be probably one of my favorite parts in that whole episode. Even with all the other stuff, even with the Leanna part, even with you know, uh, Tommen throwing himself out of a window. There's just I I really enjoyed his just his face, really just his facial expressions. He does such a good job. Okay, so. You two have gone, so I was next, and, ah, oh, like, I don't know, I, I want to say, and this is probably, like, it goes against my grain to say that she's the most valuable player, but Cersei, just because, oh my god, those little smirks that she gave the entire time, like, as she was getting ready, and you know that she set all of this up for the great set of Baylor to just fall and the kind of like coldness that she gets when she sees Tommen's body and she's just kind of like just bury him with the rest of the ashes the kind of look that she gives Jamie which is filled with subtle nuances of just kind of like this is what it's come to this is what I had to do and her final finally like being like shame 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 at Septonella like I remember like seeing her with Marjorie and being like I want this bitch to die and she, she's going to do it at some point. And, like, waterboarding people with fucking wine, of course, because it's Cersei. She would do shit like that. So I'm giving it to Cersei. And last but not least, Omar, who is your most valuable player? John. I loved how he was 
he became as you know he just went from being the bastard being picked on because of that to, you know being like just done by people calling him bastard oh everyone referred him as a bastard to all of a sudden just being called the king of the north it just was amazing you know i would uh, my second would have been Tyrion, but I, I just have to give it to John. He came from because Tyrion was, of course, he started up high, came low, went up high again. But John was just, you know, from the low, you know, being the bastard, to just going even nowhere. I mean, going to, of course, King. I mean, the Wall, and then all of a sudden being known as the King of the North. I love that John got it, and he deserved it. He is the just, the, yes. Sorry, no, I was say the King of the North. <laughs> yeah, the, king the king of the north the king of the north he just i gotta give it to him he deserves it okay so we all must reach the citadel and join the conclave as maesters we get to rate this season and we grade it a b c d or f and pluses and minuses are allowed so now i'm gonna mix it up a bit evelyn the season what do you grade it? A C. <gasps> because um, I just, the, the whole direction that this season took after, you know, finally being past the books was, I guess, not faithful to how Game of Thrones had been written up until that point. It's gotten, it's gone from, holy shit, you know, like, I hate you, George R. R. Martin, too. Oh my god, this is, you know, so awesome. Look at what what's happening with the Starks. Finally, you know, all the bad guys are dying. And I've always said it, that Game of Thrones isn't supposed to be um, a happy story. And even in the series, Ramsey Bolton says it. He, well, back when he was, I think, still a snow. He said, you haven't been paying attention if you think this has a happy ending. And it's true, like, that's just the way Game of Thrones has been written, and I think it just, I guess, people were getting frustrated and complaining enough, and now that there's no source material, like, put out for people to compare it to, they took it in a more, like, okay, guys, we're gonna, we're gonna throw you some bones here. And although a lot of those scenes were pretty badass, you know, like, I enjoyed the scene where Ramsay died, but I think they lost... You know, they went <clears throat> off track from some of these characters, you know, like, I guess, their characteristics, this is the best word I can I can uh, choose there, their char characteristics just to further the plot and get to, you know, what all the fans want to see. And I think they just boosted up their numbers, which it did. I mean, finally, the whole Leanna thing. But again, take into account that... Um, there's not that many seasons left, so it eventually had to end. I just wish that it wouldn't have been set, just such fan service back to back to back. Like, I like being angry at George R.R. R. Martin. That's what I've come to expect from this series. And this season, I guess, didn't, like, provoke that anger. Um, okay. Okay. Omar. Maester Omar. What do you agree with this season? Between a B and a B plus, it started off, you know, it started off good, especially seeing John being, you know, resurrected. And then it went slow, 
it was just you know you got those episodes just made you be like uh you know is this how it's gonna be but then it ended up strong really really strong but still i will give it a b plus yeah i'll, I'll end up between a b plus we didn't have those two episodes before you know the battle of the bastards it would have been an a plus but i will i will settle with b plus okay Brittany, what do you grade it oh i fucking give it an a dude um i think uh the best part of being off the books is that the writers at least know where the characters are going to end up and they get to choose how to write certain stuff maybe they even have um an, a copy of the winds of winter with them right now we just don't know it maybe they have like a draft or something and they're doing what they can it, with what they have and i think they've done an excellent job this i mean i'm not trying to jump on the hype train with the rest of the audience because this season has been graded the best season of game of thrones and i have to agree i think we had like maybe one or two mediocre episodes but even then they were watchable they might have been boring but they weren't bad but there were more good episodes than bad like what the first five episodes amazing then we had those three and, and then the last two fucking amazing i have never been so hyped before i feel like i'm with everybody where i don't know what's gonna happen next i can i can predict things but i don't know how we're gonna get there and that's why i keep watching and um i think uh having people realize that game of thrones has is supposed to be magical and fantasy and epic but is also supposed to hold some realism which is why you different uh you it's different from lord of the rings which they always compare it to lord of the rings was definitely more happy more you know we win the war and everything's happy and magic and everything but what about the other stuff what about the real things like politics and being poor and you know stuff like that that's where game of thrones comes in but game of thrones also teaches you that if your good characters make stupid decisions it's gonna cost stuff so that's why i think game of thrones is not so much that it's not a happy story or it's a sad one it's just it's real that if you fuck up it's gonna it's gonna be bad but if you ally yourself with the right people you can come out the other side and you can win so i think that was true to season six we got john snow back we got sansa and john the two that never even interacted until this season and they're the closest we have cersei finally fucking blowing shit up she's been saying for like three seasons i'll burn the whole city to the ground she fucking did it jamie is like conflicted brianne and torment we got so much more good than bad and I cannot wait for next season. I want it to be 2017 already. Last, I guess I'm gonna, I, I go last and I agree with Brittany. I'm giving it an A minus for Woo! all of those things she said. We've all, we, I, I feel we only got one boring episode and the rest, I, I see where Evelyn's coming from, that it's fan service, but I feel that it's stuff that we've been waiting for forever. Like. We've been waiting for R plus L equals J. We've been waiting for Battle of the Bastards. We've been waiting for Arya to finally get out of, like, Bravos and get revenge. We've, I don't know, we've been waiting for fucking Daenerys to leave Marine. Shit is finally coming into play here. This is the, the season of setups, and it still wasn't, like, boring to me. 
And it introduced great characters like Liana and introduced relationships I never knew I wanted, like Brienne and Tormund. <laughs> and I'm just going to preface and also say, the season before this, I was so angry. I was I, I would have rated that one like a D plus. I agree. Because I, I, I felt like it was a season of punishment where like we didn't get anything, any ray of bright light. And I felt like as a viewer, like I recoiled at certain scenes, not because they were awful, but just because, like, they were, I don't know, scripted in a way that I, did, I didn't want to see. Like, it, it's a horror to see, not necessarily a show horror. Like, it went too far, and I don't feel I ever got that. Like, even with battles as grisly as, like, the Battle of the Bastards, like, it never went too far where I was just kind of like, I really didn't want to see someone eviscerated, like, right in front of my face and then, like, have their, like be raped their corpses be raped or some shit like like you know what i mean like it it balanced it things well so an a minus and lastly we must all gaze into the lord of the lights flame and make predictions on next season we've been making predictions throughout this whole bit and i've kept mostly like to myself about my predictions but i've only got like a couple one being the end of cersei's uh prediction with Maggie where it says that and when your tears have drowned you the Valonqar shall wrap his hands around your pale white throat and choke the life from you and Valonqar means little brother I don't necessarily that that mean think that means Tyrion I think it means Jamie I think Jamie's gonna hang around with her to the point where he sees that she's becoming the Mad King heiress she, that she's ruining shit around her and that the only way to save millions of lives is to have her die. I agree. And he's gonna he then that he's gonna do it. I also think that Melisandre is gonna fulfill her prophecy that she did with Arya and she says we will meet again. And I remember Melisandre is on Arya's list and I think she's gonna cross her off. So those are my two predictions. Brittany I feel what are your predictions? Alright. I wrote it all down so it's not very long. So I'm going to jump off from what you said, Priscilla, about Cersei. I think Jamie's going to stick around. He's going to see her descend into madness and she, he will fulfill that last prophecy. Because remember, I was saying Cersei's been trying to avoid the prophecy. She, th she thinks the younger, more beautiful queen was... Mar First, she thought it was probably Sansa. Now she thought it was Marjorie. She killed Marjorie. Nah, it's Danny. She thought it was Tyrion because Tyrion killed her mom. So she was resentful and he's part of the prophecy. So she tried to kill him. And get rid of him. No, it's Jamie. That's what I think is gonna happen. But I I wanna see her descend. This is this is the payoff of not liking Cersei. We get to see her become mad. We get to see Cersei without her children. Who is Cersei without her children to keep her in control and not go crazy, right? So with that, I think Danny is gonna get there. I don't think she's gonna get there very soon because one of my predictions for this season was that the wall was going to come down for the finale. It didn't. And it also depended on what was going to happen in King's Landing. I thought King's Landing, the arc, was going to wrap up already this episode. It didn't. Cersei survived. She's still there. So they need to wrap up King's Landing stuff next season. And I think the big battle for next season is going to be Danny versus Cersei. It's going to be Cersei giving everything she's got versus Danny. But in the end, Jamie's going to have to kill her. For the North... I think Littlefinger is going to try and get rid of Jon and turn Sansa against him. Uh, I think there'll be some tension between Sansa and Jon because I still think Jon sees Sansa as his little sister. 
not this you know young woman who's been through a lot and has some insight but uh i think he just needs to learn to trust her and hopefully they can work together against Littlefinger. If not, Sansa's gonna is gonna have to work alone and overthrow Littlefinger herself. I don't know if Littlefinger's gonna die. I don't want to make that bold statement because they say the ending's a bitter a bittersweet, uh, or it's bittersweet who ends up on the throne. So it could be Littlefinger. I don't even think that's bittersweet. I think that's terrible. I don't want LF uh, Littlefinger on there. I don't think he's the right person. I don't even think he'd be a good king. I think he'd just be an asshole. Um, I think Sam Sam was one of the people I said, what the fuck is he to the main storyline? Like, what what is he? He's been traveling all season. What is he going to accomplish becoming a maester? Now that he's in that big-ass library that's amazing, he's going to learn about the White Walkers. He's going to learn about the prince that was promised, Azora High. He's going to learn some shit. I don't know if he's going to come back to Castle Black. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but... Also, what if he finds out about John's parentage? Because I'm wondering who's gonna tell John about his parents. Is it gonna be Bran, or maybe you know Sam finds the letter in there that Rhaegar and Lyanna were married, so he's legitimized. I don't know something there. Uh, Aya's gonna keep on her list. I don't know if she's going to King's Landing or Winterfell, or she's gonna run into Melisandre. And um, finally, I think Bran is gonna have to go over the wall. He's gonna break it down because of his damn symbol that he got marked with and uh i think that's how the season will end next season that the wall coming down that's a lot of predictions okay. but i got it so that's <laughs> me then it's Brittany. so the next on the list is omar what are your what are your predictions one like of course um one is that i feel that daenerys jesse is sailing over there to king's landing um, but I feel that she might end up running into Valen um, Greyjoy, and they might clash. And you know, of course, they are better prepared for the sea, so don't you think they might have an advantage? They might have fewer ships, but they might end up making Danny lose some of their men. That's one of my predictions. Also, another prediction is that you know, w of course, we we all you know predicted that Jamie might kill Cersei because of course you know she is becoming like the Mad King but I feel that maybe once Jamie kills Cersei he would feel that I just killed the love of my life I lost my kids so he might commit suicide um, because he he feels that he just lost everything so that's another one of course we have Jon Snow in the north and we we feel I mean Littlefinger has to plan something he might end up, you know, planning something to to take over or kill John again. So that might be another one. Is John dying once more? And of course, I thought that the wall was going to fall down as well this season finale. So that might end up being in the next season as well. Lastly, Evelyn, what are your predictions? I've been reading that the <clears throat> next two se seasons uh, could be like actual short seasons. So if they're, you know, seven or eight episodes, I think that next season will wrap up the politics. And our last season will be, you know, fighting to survive, you know, the, the, the main battle that's been building up between the living and the dead. And then 
it'll end probably with everything just I guess the calm after the storm but as for next season I think Danny will get there I think Danny will take over King's Landing Cersei will die but I think <clears throat> as a last ditch effort she might try and do something similar to the Mad King and that's when Jamie's gonna have to kill her but he could run into Tyrion before he kills himself so I'm not sure if he'll actually you know commit suicide after he commit after he uh, kills his sister um, as far as the North <clears throat> I, I think that they're mainly just gonna focus on the winter the fact that winter's there and preparing for the battle with the with the undead but what I'm really looking forward to seeing what is Bran's role like he's the new three-eyed raven he has all this information but Sam's essentially doing the same thing gathering information so what roles are these two guys gonna like what are they what part do they have to play in this whole story who's gonna be the one that's actually going to find out and how all this stuff is gonna play out I'm not sure about those but um, Arya I think will meet up with the Red Witch I'm not sure if, or the priestess rather, I'm not sure if she'll actually kill her. I think she might also run into Nymeria. Finally, we might finally see her again. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I really don't, I think maybe with the whole Red Priestess thing, we'll see the Hound and the Brotherhood meet up with them again as well. So maybe the Hound will side of Arya. Okay. These are all really interesting predictions, but that's what they are, just predictions, and the episodes themselves are over. So, and now, our watch has ended. We would like to thank everyone for joining us these past ten episodes. Visit poppychularadio.com slash archives to download this episode and many more. Registered users will gain access to our archives of previously aired broadcasts. You can also download tonight's broadcast through iTunes. Just search for The Throne Room and subscribe. Please like Poppy Chula Radio on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash poppychularadio. Follow the show on Tumblr. We're at thethroneroom-pcr.tumblr.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. And email us via contact at poppychularadio.com with any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an honor personality or a blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. For the final time this season, co-hosts, what do we say to the god of death? Until next year. <laughs> Hasta luego. We will wait till... Th- we'll be here till next season. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Join us in spring 2017 for a brand new installment of The Throne Room. For the night is dark and full of terrors. Good night.